Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh. This is another journal episode. I'm a week late. Um, Didn't even realize that I didn't record one. That's how um, kind of in the the ether I was. Not in a good way. I was just tired, I think. Um, Needed some time off work. Took a three-day weekend. And uh, in the midst of all that, I just forgot. Um, So uh, I get a lot of questions, and I hear this a lot from people about prayer and God, especially those of you that are um, in recovery. I myself am not in recovery. Um, But I want to run through the uh, widget uh, analogy again. So because this applies to God and prayer. Um, So I mentioned before a book called The Journey to Islam by Carlos Castaneda. Now it's either in that book or um, another one called uh, A Separate Reality that is also about his time with a shaman named uh, Don Juan Matus. Uh, as is the first one, which is uh, The Teachings of Don Juan, A Yaqui Indian Way. Uh, but those three books, he's got a, there's a few books, they're all about that era in his life, but The Journey to Islam to me and A Separate Reality are just perfect. Um, but at some point, his shaman, uh, Juan, says, you live in a description of reality. And you are beaten over the head with that description from a very early age until you repeat it back to them. And I find that statement to be extremely interesting, especially for those of us that grew up in a church um, or with any religious or even political uh, upbringing. If you had family or parents that were primary caregivers that were very um, politically or religious religiously motivated. Um, So the widget analogy is this. Let's say we're sitting in a room and in this room there's an object and your mind has no context for this object. You've never seen anything like it. And so I begin to describe it to you. I go, oh, this thing, this object is called a widget. Now, when I use the cognitive faculty of language to begin identifying this thing, we begin the process of describing it. I begin the process of loading your mind with information. So I say, this is called a widget. Uh, it's, It's good for this. It's bad for that. And I start telling you everything about this widget, what it's good for, what it's bad for, if it's dangerous, when it's not dangerous, et cetera, et cetera, right? And you, for whatever reason, agree with me. Um, One of the most fascinating questions I ask myself from time to time is why did I just believe that? Right? Either the flat glass God in your living room told you or your, the podcast or whatever it is, but somebody said something and you just agreed with it for whatever that reason is. Um, So, sorry, I mentioned before I'm driving and uh, it can be problematic. So, I've described the widget to you. I've named it, or this object. I've named it a widget. I've told you about it. Now, later on, if you encounter this thing, this object, and I'm not there to reinforce anything or even tell you what it is, you will look at it, 
your mind will use a label for it, and then you ex begin experiencing thoughts and feelings and all these things about this object, right? And um, in that moment, you, you're not experiencing your experience of it, you're experiencing my description of it, right? Like I described it to you, and now that's your experience. You're experiencing my description of this object, right? Um, you are a widget. Someone named you, they described you to you, they gave you a set of values, etc., etc. And everything is a widget. Everything is a description. That being said, I want you to understand that you're not going to escape that. There's always a new description, and we just kind of latch onto the descriptions that soothe our nervous system or or sometimes don't soothe our nervous system, but just reinforce some horrible idea that we have in our mind about someone or something. God is a widget, right? It's been described to you over and over and over again. And in certain situations, you were beaten over the head with the description until you repeated it back to them the way they told you to. Think about that for a second. God is a widget. It's a concept. You can't prove any of it. And it's this desire that the ego or the mind's need for solidity and uh, an objective reality, that desire is, it's fucking psychotic. Like it, it the problem with, with this objective versus subjective thing is like, you can have all the beliefs and all of the widgets that you want. But when you need them to be objectively true and you need them to be objectively true for me and the rest of the world, you're going to run into fucking problems, man. I have beliefs and an understanding about what I consider to be God. And, you know... Um, they don't require that you buy in as well. In fact, those beliefs and the understanding that I have of it does even require that I believe in it. When you need or have a, 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 an idea that the belief in God, that you have to have a belief in God, and that you have, you're still living in this punishment-reward mindset. You're still living in this objectively good, objectively bad mindset. Yesterday I was talking to a gentleman who uh, was away for, got put away when he was 16 for, for murder. Um, he was away for a long time, obviously. Um, did a year in Supermax. Eventually they let him out. He, he got out. Um, not my first experience as a whatever the fuck it is I do with someone like this and he goes I knew you'd be cool and I was like why do you why did you say that and he said because you know that the good the bad and the evil and the whatever is just a concept it's like you're right it just depends on where you stand because at 16 his parents are glad he won that exchange it was some gang shit. Um, and the other person lost the exchange. But to be fair, you have a group of people engaged in violence 
and somebody's going to lose. I don't know that punishing this person at the age of 16, you know, as we were talking, he turned me on to some really cool books about, because uh, that year in Supermax was solitary. Like, it was, that was it. You know, he timed his, his days by, by a light and food. You know, he said it was the fastest year of his life, actually. But when you get into a belief in God, now you have to make sense of that. You don't have to make sense of it. Why do children die? Because fucking people die. What about childhood illness? Biology's a thing. But needing that why, I don't know that that, I mean, you gotta look at my mom's death. She shouldn't have died of what she died of. I mean, she was supposed to die. She should have died eventually, right? But dying because of a whoopsie-doo, essentially, you know, for some of my family was a very difficult thing, but for me it was like, I don't know, I mean, they do it thousands of times a year and it doesn't end like this, and unfortunately, you know, so that person that did that, is that person bad? They just make a mistake. Well, they just made a mistake. You think that 16-year-old didn't make a mistake? And now we got God judging them too. You start throwing God into the mix. God's kind of the problem. Or should I say the concept that certain individuals have about God is the problem. See, I thought that if I just did all the right things on the spiritual path and did all the practices and all the things and, you know, chanted and and played with my beads and all this shit, that eventually God would make the world behave that my experience of the world would change because God was now helping me. And then once again, I went to an external source for help. I disempowered my own divinity and put God outside of me, which is what a bhakti does, right? The problem with bhakti is that eventually you start to you spend enough time in devotion that you start to see that you're it. Especially if you read the Gita and Krishna just outright says it. <laughs> right? Something to the effect that the wise know me as their own divine self. And divine's a weird word, right? It's like when someone sees my tattoos and they go, oh, sacred geometry, but it's no geometry they've ever seen. And I just look at him and I'm like, I wouldn't call it sacred. It's this punish, it's, it's kind of a Western Christian idea of God. Or an Abrahamic idea of God. That's what the hard part for ISKCON, the International Society of Krishna Consciousness, that's what the hard part for them is. They're the evangelicals of Hinduism. Their understanding of it is very literal. When a lot of it is just allegorical. Right? So, God's an interesting widget. Think of these things as concepts, right? There's the dictionary definition of what God means. But what if we begin thinking of things as ideas? God as an idea. Then we can get into prayer. 
Prayer is another widget. You know, um, someone told me you know, they had a pretty abusive childhood. They're in recovery, and the solution for some of these knuckleheads is pray about it. Well, just pray about it. And this woman's gripe about that is, well, I spent my childhood praying about it, and it kept happening. So now at this point in my life, when I'm in turmoil and someone says, pray about it, I can't think of a more infuriating thing, right? You can call fate whatever you want. I don't, I don't know where I am with fate and destiny and all that. I have no idea. I just know that things are going to happen exactly the way they happen. I keep the word supposed to out of there or meant to. And the reason I keep it out is just for my own sanity. It's more of like if I put supposed to or meant to, it, you, know, you get into this weird place. But if I just say, you know, if things could have been different, they would be. You know, what I was talking to this gentleman last night about the the gentleman that was at the time for murder I was like look man I know for myself every little moment every single thought every single consideration everything I've ever done involved like billions of little factors choices and decisions and this and that so I can't just judge a single moment and say well this person's bad because they did this thing and they could have not done it that's not the case he couldn't have not done what he did and neither could the other person or the other people there everyone did the only thing they could do you know is that saying play stupid games get stupid prizes well sometimes you're just going to Play those stupid games because you won't play anything else. You know, everything that you've done has always been your best. I could have. Could you have? Well, I know I should. Should you have? Could have means that the ability to do something else is there. So could have can only be there if the ability is there. And should have can only be if the ability is there. If the ability is there, you would have. So we start getting into prayer. Big widget. Really gets described to us. But I'm going to say this. Prayer is mantra recitation. You know, people often say that when their prayer was quote-unquote answered, it was because they prayed for it every day. And they had faith that God would provide. So let's think about what a mantra is or the repetition of an idea, a point of view, a thought exercise. You repeat it so many times to where the subconscious believes that it's real, believes that it's a possibility, and is now programmed only to look for that thing to be possible and to be true. So the mind begins to only see opportunities for that to be true. So, in a way, your prayer gets quote-unquote answered. 
That's it. And for some people, that's not enough. It's got to be this big deal. Because again, that puts, you know, everything or the divinity, so to speak, outside of them. When it turns out that that's, that's you. The divinity is you. You're divine. Divinity is another one of those weird words, but... I mean, is it like... Like Ram doesn't know he's Vishnu. Everyone else knows he's Vishnu but him. Even Ravana knows that he's God. Right? Hanuman forgets his own divinity. This is all in the Ramayana. You know? Arjuna doesn't realize that, you know, his friend Krishna is actually God. And then God has to let him know, no, no, I'm you. He discusses the super soul. He says that, uh, you know, the wise know me as their own divine self. It's interesting. The present moment is the result of previous present moments. Not one moment just comes out of a vacuum. An illness doesn't come out of a vacuum. It's like during 9-11 when everyone acted like this just kind of happened all of a sudden. Remember when everyone said, they hate our freedom. They're like, no, we don't. We just hate your politics. Nope, they hate us. It's like, no, they're telling you why they hate you. And they're telling you why this happened. Don't get me started on the rest of that shit. But nothing comes out of a vacuum. Man, the divorce came out of nowhere. No, it didn't. There was, you know, you, you know this was bound to happen. You know. My favorite thing is when a client goes, I don't know how I got here. I'm like, really? You just didn't think it would end up here. It's kind of like how we know death is a thing, but we don't think it'll happen to us. Really? On some weird level? Yeah. And then it does. So God is the widget. You know, you're God, though. I mean, it's you. Your subconscious is God. I think Neville Goddard had a damn good point. Again, if you want to get deeper into that, Neville Goddard's book, Feeling is the Secret, is perfect. Um, take time with it. Go through it slowly. Um, I'm going to have to honk. I'm sorry. But no one, everyone... Here's, here's a good one, right? Like, you know green lights exist, Right? You know that they're a thing. And you're sitting at a red light. And, and you're at the red light, really... You're only at the red light so that it can turn green, right? And then when it turns green, everybody acts shocked that it's fucking green. So we should just hang out for a little. It's like death. You know it's there, and then when it shows up, it's like, oh, shit. It's like when my buddy Mason goes, isn't it weird that moms die? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's fucking weird. He goes, yeah... It's supposed to be everybody else's mom, but yours. Um, 
you know, we couldn't get through a podcast without me making a comment about the driving. Um, so God is a widget. They described God to the properties of God, the abilities of God. How about this? What God is supposed to do and not supposed to. Isn't God supposed to save all the children? No. But my dog died. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's that gentleman that um, I hope he's listening still. It was one of the most transformative phone calls I've ever had. And if you're listening, you, you don't know this. But we, one of those things where it's like, hey, reach out and I'll call you. And we talked. And his wife had died in a car wreck quite, quite a while back. And then a year to the day, their daughter committed suicide. His daughter. And he did a lot of things to deal with that grief. Ran down a lot of dead ends and ended up finding you know, healing and yoga and meditation and some other stuff, I believe, if I remember correctly. But he said something that was like, man, that's so on. It's one of those things that's like so true and you know it to be true, but it's like, he goes, my wife and my daughter, and I, I hope I'm not butchering this, my wife and my daughter were going to die, but I just didn't know when. It's like you know these people are going to die, but you just don't think you're going to be around for it for whatever reason. But um, again, this idea that God is supposed to save everything. Again, it puts God outside of you. It puts all these solutions outside of you as if there isn't an order and a system. This is all perfectly lawful take out the supposed to and and meant to be and all these kinds of terms. Take that stuff out. Forget that stuff. This moment, the phenomena of this moment is the result of the phenomena of a previous present moment. More importantly, your reaction to the phenomena of the past hardwired, not hardwired, uh, instilled a perception in your subconscious that you could only see it this way. And of course we're right here again, or for the first time, or of course it's a shit show. You've described a shit show to yourself every day. Every day you said, this is a shit show. This is a shit show. This is a shit show. Except for those moments where you said, dear God, please make this not a shit show. This is a shit show. This is a shit What the fuck did you think was going to happen? Your prayer to God, the widget of God, asking it to do things in accordance to somebody else's description of what God can and can't do, what God even is. You know, some of you like to use the word source. I think that's an appropriate word. I think it's accurate. Then you pray to source like you're not it. The prayer needs to be repetitive like a mantra. Mantra means mind protection. This is a shit show. This is a shit show. This is, the, world's, the world's shit. The world's shit. The world's shit. Then you need to do like one day a week. Maybe you pray about some shit. You know, it's, of course you're only experiencing that. I don't experience this shit show. I just don't. But have you looked at the news? No. In fact, I haven't. And you have. And it's still going to happen. It's still whatever the fuck you think it is. I've never seen something in news or current events that I was like completely shocked about. It all made sense. It's like, yeah, that's, 
Yeah. This, that, we, yeah. That's, of course. Because collectively, this is also a thing. It's not just your own mind. There's the collective unconscious or the collective subconscious. And you, with all of your negative shit about the world, feeds into it. Stop it. Just fucking cut it out. Self-reliance, personal responsibility. But the government's supposed to... No, they're not. They're not going to do shit for you. There aren't going to be enough laws and policies to protect you. If we've learned anything from the Mahabharata, the Bhagavad Gita, or any other countless fucking ancient texts, is that wisdom frees you, morality, or policy binds you. God was described to you, God's abilities were described to you, and therefore prayer was described to you in the same little discussion. So now you have your ultimate widget. And then there you are screaming into an empty cat trash can, uh, expecting something to change when you haven't done anything for it to change. Today, or yesterday rather, I asked the age-old question that I've asked a hundred times that I'll probably ask somebody today. But my depression and my... Why shouldn't you be depressed and anxious? It's like if you took off to run a marathon, you're like, but, but I can't run a marathon. Yeah, there's no reason why you should. You don't have any of the ability because you don't do anything to fortify your body in order to do that. And if you don't do anything to fortify your mind in order to perceive things a certain way and be conscious of whatever it is, this is or that's, then why should you have that experience? Of course you're going to experience the things you experience. Because you fucking repeat bullshit to yourself over and over and over and over. Read the beginning of the Gita when Krishna is look, essentially looking at Arjuna while he's crying on the floor of the chariot and being like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Read, the, read those. Read those verses. That's you. You are Arjuna and you are Krishna. There's a little voice in your head that it's fucking scared to death. And it's the loudest one. And the truth is very quiet. The loudest one is the one that gets scared and needs God to be external so that God can do them a favor. Or so that God can answer a prayer for them. The truth knows that sometimes you just keep plugging along. Take aim, be steady. Just take aim and be steady. Right? Corny enough as it is, years ago I got these arrows tattooed on my forearms and the bottoms and it says take aim on one arm, be steady on the other. It's that thing where you see it, you know, I think it was an old, like, Tumblr post where it's like, you know, an arrow mean, you know, an arrow's most effective when it's pulled backwards. Take aim, be steady. It's cheesy, but, like, there's certain things in my life that I've just been steady with and just hack, 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 hack. Tiny gains. It's the most important thing I learned in jiu-jitsu. Tiny gains. It's not going to be a big sweeping win. Sometimes it's just about lasting five minutes. Sometimes it's about you keeping your shit together so that they wear themselves down. Right? So beware of the widgets. Look at the widgets. We're not going to escape description. We're not going to escape widgets. That's it. 
If you'd like to continue supporting the Infinite Spark of Being podcast, you can do that at theinfinitesparkofbeing.com. You can order t-shirts and stuff. Somebody the other day uh, ordered the uh, Illuminati three-quarter length shirt, which I think is the funniest thing on there. Um, (laughs) And it's the snake. It's like for some people, the snake is evil, but for other people, it's like the protector. It's funny. Um, The Illuminati. Um, What else? Oh, yeah, books, podcasts. uh, Patreon is there. Venmo. It's all there. Um, I hope it made sense. Uh, Comments, questions, reach out, holler at me. We can talk. We can figure it out. Um, Yeah, that's it. Uh, We've been doing this a long time, you and me. Don't be a stranger. Don't make it fucking weird. Bye.